Well, what is up, Victory Hamilton Mail? How's 11 a.m. doing today? Y'all good? It's good to see you guys. Man, the weather's been awesome. Saturday was beautiful. And this man right here is in mourning. Both my teams that start with a B lost yesterday, Bama and the Braves. Thank God we have a healing ministry called Forward. I hear you. I hear you. But hey, I want to celebrate something. Come on, take off my garment of heaviness and put on some celebration. I want to celebrate two of our staff members. We're going to have a family moment before we dive into the word this morning. Two of our staff members and their spouses are pregnant with child. Right. Yep. Pastor Jeremy Armstrong and Heather, his bride, they got a bouncing baby boy. And uh, Jeremy, our worship pastor, for those that don't know, and then Levin and Julia. Levin works in production, and both of them also oversee our young adult ministry. And they got baby going on. There's babies all over the place around here, all right? I don't know what people are drinking. So we got these new purifying water machines. Watch out, people. Watch out, for sure. Come on, can we give it up for all the people having babies? Excited, congratulations, and blessings for sure. And we just pray perfect development over all of our babies. Amen? Amen. All nine months. And we're excited for touchdown day for sure. It's going to be awesome. Well, as Lisa said, we're in the message series called Family on Purpose. Somebody say family. And if you have your Bible, you can turn it on or turn to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, which is our main text today. Dr. Luke, and we have uh, really just been diving into this. We're in part four today, and I'm going to be talking to you about not only what I consider to be one of the most important aspects of family life, but one that often causes some of the most stress and heartache. Let me do a quick recap, and I'll tell you what we're talking about. They've already put the sneak peek on the screen there, so thanks a lot, production team. <laughs> so, uh, one, I'm kidding, one, not really, uh, one, <laughs> week one, we talked about family on purpose. Pastor, John, Pastor Johnson kicked off the series talking about family, God's blueprint for family on purpose. Week two, we looked at youth on purpose. We had a youth takeover in this place, and it was amazing, and Pastor Russ knocked it out of the park, reminding us as people to be intentional with our young people. And then week three, we were blessed uh, and honored to have the Cochrans back in the house with us as they talked about parenting on purpose. And today, if you're taking notes, title of my message is Money on Purpose. Somebody say money. Money, money, money. money. There you are. 9 a.m. really let it go. They had some soul come out in that part for sure. Well, you know, I think, well, I'll tell you what, let's pray first and we'll dive right in. Father, we're just so, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I'm having a hard time speaking, Lord, just because I'm overwhelmed with your presence. As Jeremy said earlier, Lord, is that we were hearing different languages. We were reminded what it's going to be like in heaven, in your presence, worship, worshiping God with people from every tribe and every tongue. 
And so we're just thankful that you're here with us in the room, that you draw close to us, God. And so now I pray, God, that you, Holy Spirit, would help me speak your word to your people. And we silence the noise and the distractions of life, and we open our hearts to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, you hear the word money, and already while I was praying, some of you are getting a little fidgety in your chairs. You know, because money can be very personal and can be very hard to talk about, and we can fight through a lot of shame and condemnation, of course, that is not of God because of maybe money mistakes that we've all made. Hello, anybody made some money mistakes before? Come on, somebody, I know I have. And so let me just say a few things to make you feel a tad more comfortable about this subject. Number one, I want to say this. We are not going to ask you at the end of this message to give to some offering. So we just lay that out right now. All right? Number two, I want you to know that we are not a church that preaches a prosperity gospel. A prosperity gospel. What is a prosperity gospel? Well, just to simplify, that is I'm going to give something to get something. All right? That's not biblical. All right? We give unto the Lord because it's an, it's an act of worship unto him. Because of all that he's given us. So we just, we just give. Somebody say give. So we're not a prosperity gospel church. If the, the more I give, the more I get back. No. And then also, on the other side, we're not, a, we're not a, what we call a poverty gospel church. What is a poverty gospel? Well, poverty gospel would be like, well, Jesus was poor, so I'm supposed to be poor, which basically says Christians can't have money at all. We don't believe in that either. So some of you might be in the room like, well, what do you believe? What do you preach then? Well, we preach the word of God around here. We preach about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what I want to talk to you about today, if I was to sum it up in one word, and we'll go there in a few minutes, is stewardship. Stewardship. Because if you're a Christ follower in the room, and also for those online, everything we have belongs to the king. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. Amen? And so, you know, but, but, but again, you would think, okay, this is a family series. Why, why are we talking about money in a family series? Let me, let me give you just a few things to kind of set the tone here. Because recent stats tell us that 50%, right here on the screen, 50% of marriages filing for divorce list financial problems as their leading cause. Another reason would be is that, and we're just going to look at America for a moment, 75 to 80% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. And if I was just going to drill down a little bit more, more people, somebody say more, more people have more debt than ever before. I'll throw out a scary number to you later on of what came out of the pandemic with consumer debt. Pastor, Pastor Dennis said something years ago. I've been watching several of his messages. He's just got some great revelation and teaching on finances and how to do it God's way. But Pastor, Pastor Dennis said this. He said, debt is one of the major strategy hell uses to enslave people so they never fulfill their calling. Debt is one of the major strategies hell uses to enslave people so they never fulfill their calling. Why? Because if you're overwhelmed with debt and you're full of debt, you're, you're just going to be so reluctant or not even step out into that calling of what God's called to do because it looks impossible to ever go there because the debt is staring you in the face. 
Credit cards, plural. Auto loans, plural. Student loans, other loans. Loans, loans, loans. The average American is carrying a ginormous debt and living well beyond the means. So if I was to sum this up, a lot of the issues that we're facing today in our nation and both personally have to do with money. So you know what? We need to talk about it, especially in the times that we find ourselves living in right now. Now listen, there's a verse that uh, we as campus pastors were studying this week, and this, this came out, and I've, I've never seen this verse before. I've read this book, and it's from Haggai. I stay in Luke. We're going to park in Luke. But Haggai, he was the prophet, the first prophet out of uh, when, they came, when Israel came out of bondage of Babylon. Look right at this. This verse speaks a lot to what is going on today with people. It says this, You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. Anybody felt that way before? Are you encouraged today? <laughs> well, listen, I've got some really encouraging news for you. Because we've got to understand and recognize something. That we are not in this life alone. Come on, somebody. God is with us. He is for us. And he's in control. He's in control. And somebody needs to hear this today. I mean, of course, I'm not even talking about, you know, inflation, grocery prices, gas prices, up and down, the economy, the stock market. I mean, it's just crazy. But we've got to recognize as people of God, Allison was saying it earlier, that we serve a great God. And he's got us. Somebody needs to hear this. He's got you. And we are not in this uh, life alone. And you need to be encouraged today that we don't have to figure out this money thing alone. God's given us his instruction manual, his, his love letter, his basic instructions for life in the word of God to help us in this life with money. And by the way, let me just say this. God's economy will never collapse or crash, ever, yeah. ever. That's whose economy and that's whose principles I'm going to live by and who I'm going to handle my money by is his principles and his way. His word says this, the children of the godly, come on, will never go begging for bread. The children of the godly will never go begging for, for bread. So we need to know that we're not in this alone. God is with us. He's for us. And he's gave us his word. And listen to me, church. It has a lot to say about money. His word, the word of God, tells us how to make money, how to make wise decisions with money, how to manage our money. Check this out. In good times and bad times, in feast and famine, how to save and how to spend. It's all in the word of God, black and white and in red. Let me give you a few more things. Y'all still with me today? So did you know that there are 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer? By the way, we're so excited. We just started prayer around here, and it has been going amazing. Every Wednesday night, one hour, power hour, 7 to 8 o'clock, right over in the kids' auditorium. There are 500 verses in the Bible concerning prayer and nearly 500 verses about faith. But check this out. But there are 2,350 scriptures on money and possessions. 
I think God has something to say about the subject. So we've got we've to understand this, that, you know, yes, money can be a subject hard to hear, probably a lot of times because of mistakes we've made in the past, or maybe we even feel in the room we're overwhelmed with uh, debt or stuff like that. But I'm here to tell you today that even though it may be hard to talk about, Jesus talked about money a lot. Did you know that 16 out of his 38 parables dealt with money? Let me say it to you like this. Jesus, because I, I sure ain't no money genius, Jesus is a money genius. He's almost like an inside trader. I mean, he knows what's coming. He sees it, and if we'll live by his principles, we'll never be caught off guard. So I want to share a verse. Most of us probably know this verse, but it's an astonishing statement that Jesus says about money and possessions here in Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16 Look down, if you will, at verse 10. And Jesus said this. If you are faithful, somebody say faithful. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Verse 11. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you? With the true riches of heaven. And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Verse 13 No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Somebody say faithful. I want to quickly give you just three, just three subpoints to these few verses that we just read. And we need, we need to tackle this just for a moment before we just move past it. Number, just three truths, real quick. Three truths about money. Number one, the way we handle money when we only have a little determines how we will handle money if we ever have a lot. So if we're faithful with the little things and God sees that we're responsible with the little, he says, I will give you more. But if we're not faithful with the little, how can he give us any more? So we need to be faithful. Somebody say faithful. faithful. Second truth about money just in these scriptures. Again, he said if you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. Number two truth. The way we handle money determines the trust level God has toward us. Can God trust me with the things that he's blessed me with? It says, it says right here in verse 11, and if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? So the way we handle money determines the trust level God has toward us. Hey, you know what? May it be from the heart right here of the people in this room and those who are watching us online. God, you can trust me with your stuff. Amen? Because and we're gonna dive in this just a moment. Everything that we have is God's. I need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of that. All of us need to be reminded. Everything that we have as a Christ follower, it's all the Lord's. God, trust me with the stuff that you blessed us with. Amen? And then third truth, real quick, the way we handle money will determine the reality of which God we really serve. The way we handle money 
will determine the reality of which God we really serve. That last verse says, you cannot serve God, maybe one translator would say a mammon, which is money. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Come on, let me just say this to you. Money itself is not evil. It's the love of money. Money's neutral. You can do good things with it or bad things. You can do kingdom things with it or your own things with it. Money, it's the love of money that is evil. Now, VHM, listen to me for, for a moment here. Over the years, that Lisa and I have discovered that how you and I think about how we perceive money and how we handle and manage money will greatly affect the experience of God's blessings and favor on our life. I want to say that again to get this in your heart today. How you and I handle money and how we think about money, it will greatly affect our experience of God's blessings and favor on our life. We can't forget the ultimate purpose is, all that I have is yours, all that I have is for your glory and for your kingdom. Pastor Dennis said it like this, if I forget the ultimate, I'll be enslaved to the immediate. If I forget the ultimate, I'll be enslaved to the immediate. Man, that's good. What is the ultimate? The purposes of God. This is a series about family on purpose. And we've gone through different things, but the purposes, what is the purpose? It is to know him, to make him known, to bring him glory, to bring him glory and to enjoy him forever. That everything that God has blessed me with would bring God glory and it would advance his kingdom. The ultimate, amen? Now listen, I cannot stress this enough that the truth, the truth of this statement that we have got to understand, we gotta get this money thing down is what I'm trying to say. Because if we don't do it God's way, it will sabotage your destiny. Because church, listen to me, God's way always works. Somebody say it works. I'm gonna throw a few things out at you and I want you to respond to me, it works. Look, it works so much, it is 100% guaranteed or your money back. God's way works. How about this? When we do life God's way, what does it do? It really works. When we do life God's way, it works. When we do marriage God's way, come on, it works. When we do parenting, God help us. When we do parenting God's way, it works. When we do family God's way, it works. And when we do money God's way, Church, it works every single time. It works. It works. And again, as I said, you know, it's all about stewardship. If I was to sum up, like, okay, Chris, what is God's way? If I was to sum it all up somehow, I would say it's summed up in stewardship. One word, stewardship. A steward is, is this. It's not, that's not a word we hear a lot today, but it's a very biblical word. And I'm a definition guy, so a steward is a manager of another's property or financial affairs. One who administers anything at the agent, as the agent of another. A steward is a manager. Somebody say manager. And listen to me, lean in on this, because this, this is where things get really sticky. All right? Things get really sticky because we're in this world, and the world tells us you work hard at the job, 
Because this is how it works, right? You work hard the job, you put your time, your effort, you do it with an excellent spirit, you give it all you got, and you get paid for it. You, you earned it. You, you, you deserve that check. You know that, and, and what happens if we're not careful, over time, we're working hard, we're, we're giving it all we got, we, we, get, we get a bonus here and there, we, we get promoted because we, we've been faithful with the little things, and, and all those things happen. But somewhere in the mix of all that stuff, we start to subconsciously put our name on the money. We put our name on it. And we don't say it with our mouth as, Christian, as Christ followers, as Christians. But this attitude begins to rise up in us, grows as a seed, that it's, that's my money. I earned it. And it can even be like in church or if people are talking to you with some friends about money, there's this attitude. You wouldn't say it, but it's like, hey, don't, don't talk to me about my money. Don't tell me what to do with my money. But again, as, as Christians, we got to recognize and understand that everything we have is God's. Everything that the Lord's blessed us with in the little or in the much, it all belongs to the Lord. And we're, we're just stewards of what he's entrusted to our care. Let, let me get real personal with you. Any, any parents in the room? Come on, parents. Any parents in the room? Hello. Notice there was a little bit, yeah, we're, we're here. <laughs> we're out exhausted, but I'm here, Pastor. We got a cafe right after. Get some caffeine in you right after service. But listen, next month we're going to do this. We'll be dedicating more babies because there's a lot of babies around here. And parents are going to, they're, they're taking a class and they're coming on this platform, not for the pictures and not for the powerful moment. They're coming to say, God, you can have my kids. They're coming to say, these gifts that you entrusted to our care, we're dedicating them to you. We're giving them back to you. See, we don't own our children as parents. We steward them. Pastor Randy and Sherry, if you were here last week, if not, go watch it. They're like arrows we're supposed to send out. They're just gifts. And time flies so fast. There's these gifts that have been entrusted to our care. And God says, will you steward them? Will you raise them in my ways? They're gifts. Somebody say gifts. Our, our home. We, we don't own our home. The bank owns our home, but for many of us, every time I write that check, I just, uh, God bless, you know, but we, we serve a king who is bigger than a president of a bank, and our home is not our own. We don't own our home, and as a, as, as a Christian, you need to recognize and understand, we've learned this through the years, to open our home because it's God's home. It's not my home, and this is all, all we do is here at my home and, and nobody else. No, it's God's home, and sometimes you'll find with God, your home may become a hotel for others. Sometimes your home may be the place where the neighbors come together because you've opened your home to be able to be a blessing with a spirit of hospitality and love because everything we have, our home, it's God's home. 
I love it. You know, we, we've been here uh, 13 months now or so, and, and uh, there's no way ever that we'll be able to be in every single person's home in this ever-growing church. But, you know, just getting to know people and leaders and being in homes and we will walk in the, and walk in the home, it's just beautiful. And I'll, I'll hear the worship praying, playing, and I hope they're not just putting that on right for Pat. Oh, turn the worship while Pastor's coming in the house, you know. <laughs> but I'll hear the worship playing and, and then I'll walk in and, and what is so real for me is, is I can just sense, Lisa and I can just sense the presence of God in that home. And that tells me that the people who are paying for that home know whose home it really is. We don't own our home, we steward our home. Hey, listen, let me just say this to you. We don't even own our own time. I'm pretty good on the calendar, even though it is crazy. But I don't, I don't own my own time. And so God owns my time. I need to steward my time. And listen to me, even if you live by your counter, like your counter is like your second Bible, like you, you've got to do everything the counter says, may our calendars be submitted to God so that when he throws those curveballs and those surprises of we need to do something in the moment that is sporadic, but God, our calendar and our time is submitted to him because he owns our time. We're just managers of it. We're just stewards of our calendars. We don't own our money. We're stewards of it. And, and so, honestly, what I have found through times in our life, Lisa and I have been married for 26 years, and I'm about to tell you my story in just a moment about how God did something pretty crazy and miraculous, but I have found that when I start putting my name, Chris Frith, on my money, my hands, spiritually speaking, I get real tight with my stuff. Have you noticed that? We can get real tight with our stuff. But when you and I can learn, come on, we're all students, we're all learning, we're all growing, all right? We, we, none of us got this all down. I don't got it all down. Jesus is the money genius, so I lean into him to learn how to handle things in this life, in the seasons of life like we're in right now in our nation with such unrest, such uncertainty. But God's economy is different. So I'm going to live by his principles. And so when I can get this stewardship, stewardship thing down, and I can understand what it means to be a manager of what God's given me, I find my hands get real loose. I don't know if you've been there, but I find that I'm, I'm more easy just to give something away. Whatever it is. But when I, when I start clinging to stuff, I find myself holding on to everything. And as stewards, managers of whatever God's given us, we got to hold things loosely. So let this be our motto, VHM. Come on, 11 a.m. Let this be our motto right here. Our motto is this. God is the owner, and we are his managers. God is the owner, and we are his managers. Everything I have is God's. I'm just going to manage it. I'm going to manage it to the best of my ability. I'm going to do it for his glory. I'm going to do it to advance his kingdom. Everything. Somebody say everything. Right here, look on the screen. First Chronicles 29, two verses, 11 and 12 says this. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on the earth is yours. O oh Lord, and this is your kingdom. 
We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over, there's that word again, you rule over, say it with me, everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's when you sneak a little water in and get the people to talk back to you just for a second. Man, I'm going dry. So let me just say this real quick. I don't, we don't have time to go into this, but I'm just going to do a broad brush on this just for a moment. The first step, the first step to stewardship, the first step to stewarding our finances, God's way. Somebody say God's way. God. Not my way, not man's way. God's way is to give him our first and our best. The Bible calls it the tithe. It's not an Old Testament thing. It's not a New Testament thing. It's a Jesus thing. It's called the tithe. Tithe meaning in the Bible, 10 or the 10th part. Interesting, by the way, interesting fact that 10 in the Bible represents testing. And what is the one thing that God said to test him on? The tithe. In Malachi, he said, test me on this and see if I will not open the windows of heaven as you bring to me your tithe. Let me say it to you like this. I'm going to give you my vernacular, just me and Lisa's heart on the tithe. Tithe is an expression of obedience and worship to the king. It's all his. Now, when I got my first check at 16 years old, I can't tell you how proud I was. I don't know if you remember your first check. I wanted to frame that thing so bad. But before I could even stare at it very long, my dad ripped it out of my hands. Went to the bank, and he cashed my check. That was my check. That was my money. And he brought it back in an envelope full of cash. And I counted it. And I'm like, Dad, this is not the amount that was on my check. And he said, son, welcome to tithing. I didn't even know. He didn't even explain to me what the tithe is. He explained to me later because I'm like, you're stealing from me. He's like, no, you'll be stealing from God if you don't tithe. And so I've learned the power of the tithe that I've been tithing since 16 Ever since, here I am, 50 years young. Lisa learned tithing as a young woman, and we're tithing together. We tithe, tithe, tithe. We love tithing. And then after tithing, as you grow, and let me tell you what, the whole 10%, it's just the training wheels. Because once you realize it's all God, you realize you can't outgive God. It's all God's. Someone said this a long time ago. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Because it's all God's. I just need to be his channel that he can use. It's, it's all the Lord. Now listen, I'm going I'm to share a personal story with this. A lot of people, including Chris and Lisa, for years used to think, a lot of people think this still today, if I tithe my 10%, God will fix the 90%. So go get them, God. Get that 90. Take care of it. Clean house. Make the debt disappear. It's crazy thinking, but we used to think that. We have been faithful tithers since we, start, you know, since we got married, since Lisa came into my life when we got married. But I want to tell you something. We have to take responsibility of the 90% also. And Lisa and I did not do a good job for that for years. We were faithful, faithful, faithful tithers. I mean, I'd look over her. You got the check. This was back in the day when you had to write a check. Anybody remember that? You know, now we got connecttovictory.com. But before then, 
But before then, you know, everything's gone digital. It was always get the check, get the check. I look over Lisa and worship. You got the tie check ready? You know? And, um, and so we were faithful in it, but we were horrible managers of the 90%. And we were up to our eyeballs in debt. We were actually drowning in debt. And so over time, through great men and women of God that the Lord brought in our life, pastors, leaders, mentors, coaches, and through his word, I started realizing, wait a minute, Chris, you need to get a clue, you old knucklehead. I got to take care of the 90% too. I, I got to be responsible with the 100%. 10% goes back to him to advance his kingdom. And the 90% he lets me use still for his kingdom because it's 100% his. But a lot of times we do the 10% yours and 90% mine. So as the Lord started giving us revelation on this subject, and by the way, it shouldn't be revelation. This is nothing new, but it was revelation to us. We started realizing, man, we're messing this thing up. We started, we started uh, praying. God somehow give us an opportunity. We were living paycheck, paycheck to paycheck. The debt just kept getting bigger and bigger. And someone said, hey, take your smallest debt that you can and start paying that sucker down. And I mean, guys, I'm just going to be honest with you. Embarrassing as it is, sometimes it was 20 bucks. That's all we had. But we're going we're we're to pay it. We just tackled it. Now, listen, I hope you hear what I'm saying. I wasn't over here just praying. I was also over here paying. I was paying the smallest one. And when we paid that smallest debt of many debts, when we paid that smallest debt off, we had a party in the Frith house. We went crazy. I know the neighbors had to think like, what is going on? I mean, I got the fog on. I mean, we were going nuts. I took her out for a nice meal. We got in debt again over the meal, but it was okay. Lisa's like, how are you going to pay for that? I just put it on my credit card. We just, uh... <laughs> that was my brain. Somebody's like, help our pastor. Yeah, this was years ago. We've learned a few things. So fast forward years, years, because somebody needs to hear this. Some of you are like right where we were. Years of debt overwhelming us, and it just kept getting bigger, and we pay it off and the others kept getting bigger. So the celebrations didn't last long because then we just turned to overwhelming and just, if I'm honest, discouragement. And so we just kept praying and chiseling away. Praying and chiseling away. Praying is the supernatural and in the natural, paying away. And it felt like it was going nowhere. And we just kept praying, God, would you provide somehow a supernatural opportunity for us to be able to just tackle this thing? And... We were in Nebraska, and most of you guys know, but for those who are new to the church, we were leading a church in Nebraska, and unfortunately, things didn't work out. And so after three and a half years, we were moving our family on, and we were coming back to the south. This was in 2019, and in the dead of Nebraska winter, and I don't know if I have any Midwest or Northern people, but those, yeah, you're cheering now because you're in the nice 80-degree weather. Our first winter in Nebraska, Omaha, Nebraska, they broke a 55-year record of snowfall. And all I had was this little shovel. <laughs> Almost broke my back. Me and my boys broke our back on all this, I mean, like three, four, five feet of snow. It was crazy. That was just our first year. And so there we are in the dead of winter, and our realtor tells us, hey, 
and, and she wasn't a Christian, but she was just being, you know, shooting straight with us and being factual. She's like, houses don't sell well in Omaha in the dead of winter. People just don't get out. Because the moment you get out, you're like, you know, it's just like cold. Walk on your grass. It's like Rice Krispies, snap, crackle, pop. It's your grass. I kid you not, guys, no joke. One time, it was so cold. So in January in Nebraska and Omaha, there are two weeks, and it's just historical. Two weeks, the first, week in, uh, first two weeks in January, it's below zero the whole time. Our dog, our first winter, had not experienced that before. She took one step out with her foot, did that. We're all watching her, and she just like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no joke, she did it. I wish I'd had a camera, like literally just like, Oh, it's so, I need to go. No, I'm not going. You know, <laughs> it was that cold. So the realtor says, it ain't going to sell. It ain't going to happen. Not happening. We prayed and prayed and prayed. Four families. This is before the market went cuckoo and crazy uh, and popcorn like in the last few years like it's been. Before all the appraisals went up, you know, all that. Four families fighting. Just kept knocking up the profit. Kept knocking up the profit. And finally, the fourth, whoever, what the number, outbid everybody else. And we sold it. We had a party. And it was awesome. And this was the Lord's provision. He's made it clear. I want you to pay off all the debt. And guess who, who tried to argue with God about keeping some of it? It was her. It was her. I'm just kidding. It was all me. It was me. And I was like, God. I've been wanting a pool table with the ping pong top forever. I got all these movies. I need a new surround sound system. Lord, I was even starting to justify it. Lord, my wife is a queen and she needs a queen like car. I mean, I was doing it all. Lisa's just like, oh, dear Lord. And I was, this is what I was finding myself saying I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. And it didn't need any of it. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it, gotta have it, gotta have it, I need it. I, well, I wouldn't need it, I want it, I want it. And I deserve it. I still deserve that pool table. <laughs> anyway, one day, Lord. And so I finally surrendered to the Lord. We paid off the debt in February of 2020. Anybody know what happened in March of 2020? We got a, we got a picture right here. This was on Lisa's birthday. Debt free, 37,000 something dollars right there. And then one month, COVID hit. This is why we must, by the grace of God, I finally surrendered that money and took my name and my hands off and said, God is yours. Yes, I need to be debt free. And I'm telling you, listening to his wisdom and just obeying him, even though sometimes it hurts. Hello, come on. It hurts. But we did the right thing because God's ways are always best. Amen? So before we close, I'm going to give you quickly three principles to handle your money on purpose. This is going to be broad brush. Actually, these three actually should be one message each, but it's, a, it's just a broad brush because now that we know stewardship is the foundation of all that we do. We're stewards first and foremost. Everything is about stewardship. I wanna give you three principles how to handle your money. Number one principle, and I'm gonna go through this quickly. Number one principle is wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. If you're taking notes, principle number one, the wisdom 
principle. Come on, we need to be consistently seeking wisdom from those who have gone before us. I want to speak to just to everybody in the room, but especially the younger generation. But here's, here's my heart. For me, at 50 years young, if I get around anybody that's older than me, I'm going to do less talking and more listening. I want to I grow. I want to learn. I want to hear from their victories, and I want to hear from their failures. I want to hear how they broke through that wall. I want to hear what they did, and especially when it comes to money, I want to surround myself with people, younger or older, who are wiser than me, smarter than me with money. Because I want to learn. I want to grow. For me as a parent, I want to be able to help my kids avoid some of the pitfalls that we fell into. That's what wisdom does. It provides a safety net. Seeking counsel. The Bible says it's a safety net for us. Seek wisdom. Let me give you a verse. Proverbs 3, 13 and 15 says this. Joyful. Somebody say joyful. Joyful is the person who finds wisdom, the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Final verse. Wisdom is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. That's Proverbs 3, 13, and 15. Let me throw out, if you're taking some notes or you just want to listen up, let me give you some, just real quick, some wise, practical advice, just throw your way. You can take it or leave it, but I believe these things are all biblically backed. First one, most importantly, lay down your pride, admit what you don't know, and seek help. That's the best wise advice I could give all of us in the room, no matter how old or young you are. Lay down that stinking ugly pride, admit what you don't know, and get help. When Lisa and I first got here, I heard about a man named Daryl Mims. Pastor Daryl Mims, who just recently retired. And he is a very wise man. And he, handles the, he handled for years the finances of this church, which is why we've been able to pay for every building debt-free because of his leadership and his integrity as a leader, which is why millions and millions of dollars have gone to this church to give to missions through the leadership of Pastor Daryl Mims. So didn't even know who he was, but I knew I had not done well on planning for the future and I sat down with him, Lisa and I did, and we just listened. And you know what? I, went, I remember saying, I'm embarrassed of where I'm at. And he's like, don't be embarrassed. You're doing something a lot of people never do. You're actually tackling it. I'm embarrassed, Pastor Darrell. I didn't, I didn't do well for retirement because so many years of debt. He's like, start somewhere, start now. And I walked out of there so encouraged. I didn't fully understand everything, but I walked out of there encouraged to move forward and to be better at planning for the future. Lay down the pride, admit what you don't know, and get help. Here's another one right here I'll just throw at you real quick. Pay down the smallest debt and then throw a party. Come on, we all like parties. Party when you pay down that smallest debt. Here's another one. Never fall for quick, rich schemes. Because if it seems too good to be true... It's too good to be true. All right? We learned this from the pandemic. I'll throw you another one. Build up as little or as big as you can an emergency fund. Build up an emergency fund. When you don't have the money for tires and both go out. Had that happen before. Like, what in the world? You have an emergency fund there instead of throwing it on the credit card. And just start, just start. Did you notice if you start throwing little at a, at a savings account, it starts growing into more? 
Just go little if you can. Start somewhere, but start. Someone said this to us a long time ago. Save for the short term, invest for the long term. Use wisdom and all that, but save for the short term, invest for the long term. And this is the final one. Never, somebody say never. Never, 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 please don't ever do what I did. Never make a big church, a big purchase, excuse me, with family money without both parties being in agreement. Never. Don't do it. Don't go there. Finally, let me just say this in this whole thing of wisdom, real quick. Point number one principle how to handle God's money, His way. Is guys, we are so blessed as a church. Everybody look up just for a moment here. We're so blessed as a church. I don't know if you realize how blessed we are. And I'm still coming to the revelation of the blessings of Victory Church in the years and years and years. Did you know that we have budget coaches in Victory Church that are ready to sit down with you and help you with your budget? So not only to help you with your finances, but to help you become better stewards of God's stuff so that you can be a kingdom man and woman. We have that. Like, it's crazy. You're not just hearing a message that will encourage and hopefully equip. We have people in our church who have grown in wisdom and finances. They're our budget coaches. And let me just say this. You can go. Take a picture of it and go there later. You can, you can go to connecttovictory.com or you can click on this QR code right here and sit down at your convenience in theirs over a cup of coffee or whatever in your living room and let them look at the numbers and coach you to grow and improve in your finances. That's incredible. To, to give us guidance, practical guidance to help us improve financial health and encourage us to be better financial stewards. I wanna take just 60 seconds and pause for a moment. Family, can y'all come up here just for a second? Woods, Lise. Pastor Chad and Pastor Ben. So I, some of you, most of you guys probably know uh, Chip and Don Wood. Come on, give it up for the Wood family right here. <laughs> Chip and Don are what I would call vintage victory. They've been around for a long time serving and always got a smile. These two people have servant hearts. And we're doing something publicly now that they've been doing privately behind the scenes for a while is helping people improve and grow in their finances for the Lord. And so today I'm really proud to announce to you that Chip and Don Wood are our new voluntary ministry leads of money and wisdom. Come on, give it up for them. Chip's been at Victory for 26 years. 26 years, that's awesome. And so um, what I want to say this about this real also, they're leading a small group right now, and we'll be doing another small group next semester, but also they're going to be here to oversee everything taking place at, our, at VHM campus regarding money and wisdom. So all of us, somebody say all, all. so we can all grow together. Amen? Amen. So reach your hands out, the, out this way real quick, and we're going to bless them and install them in. Father, I thank you for Chip and Don, their family. I speak a blessing over them now. And we install you two awesome people, Chip and Don. You've been leaders for a long time. You've been serving behind the scenes, never looking for the glory of man. You're worshipers, true and true. I love you. You're, we're, we're better people because of the woods. And so now we install you as the volunteer ministry leads of money and wisdom right here at Hamilton Mill. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Appreciate you both.
Family moment. I love it. All right. Number two, real quick. So number one principle is what? Is what? Number two, contentment. Contentment principle. I spoke about this earlier. Did you know that consumer debt coming out of the pandemic, all-time historical high, $15.24 trillion. That's all the credit cards, loans, everything else. Spend, spend, spend. We were locked in our homes and we were spending money we didn't have. Church, listen to me. We got to come to the place that we live what I call from an attitude of gratitude and we're content with what God's given us. We, we've got to come to this place of contentment. We've we got to come to this place that, that, listen to me, we don't need the latest and the greatest, the newest and the next. We just don't. I mean, how many iPhones can they come out with? I, I, I can't keep up. And guess what? We can't keep up with it at all. We can't. You can't keep up. It's impossible. But all the advertising and all the stuff thrown our way makes you want to get it more, 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 more. And what's being taken away from you is the opportunities to bless others and use God's finances for his kingdom. We don't need that. If we can learn, somebody say learn. We, I'm saying we, if we can all learn together contentment and what it means to take care of what God's given us and be okay with what we have, then we'll never be chasing the never-ending desire for more and more and more. 1 Timothy 6 says it like this, right here on the screen. True godliness, yet true godliness with contentment, is itself great wealth. Look at that. Verse 7, after all, we, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. Have you ever seen a U-Haul at a funeral? No. You're not. Verse 8, so if we have enough food and clothing, let us be, come on, say it with me, let us be. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation. You know what you want to long to be? Blessed. Long to be blessed so you can be a blessing. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Look at verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. We need to learn the wisdom principle. We need to learn the contentment principle. And when we have... When we have stewardship as our foundation and we're walking in wisdom and we're living in contentment, we can walk out number three principle, generosity. I'll just say this, the most happiest and fulfilled people that Lisa and I know in all these years, they are not the ones who have the most money and possessions. They're the people who live with a spirit of generosity. It's unbelievable. Anybody ever been on a mission trip before and you go and like the people hardly have anything and you are blown away with what they come and give you? I remember being on so many mission trips of the years. I, I can't even name all the places we've been. And we knew they had nothing. We were warned ahead of time they had nothing. And they brought everything they had to bless us. And there was such generosity in the room and the Lord just smiling down on them. That's why they would tell us all the time, never say no to what someone gives you from another country. You never know the price they paid for that. 
When we live as a steward, holding everything loosely, not tight, holding everything loosely, and handling our money with wisdom and living from a place of contentment, we can be ready to obey God's spontaneous promptings to bless people. And let me tell you what, moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, there's nothing more exciting for a family than to be on your toes ready to bless people. At the restaurant, in your neighborhood, at the cafe, at the grocery store, just being ready. There's nothing more exciting. And I remember for years I'd be like, maybe somebody's like this with me. I want to bless people. I want to give. I want to be generous. And I had to learn to tackle the debt and start making God's decisions, God's way about God's stuff. And the blessing started coming so that we can turn be a blessing. See, a lot of people are like, bless me, bless me, bless me. It doesn't end there as a Christian. It's bless me, Lord, so I can be a blessing. That's generosity. I'm not the end. I'm just the conduit. Psalm 37 puts it like this, 21. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Those the Lord, hey, let me just speak this over you. Somebody needs to hear this. This is so good. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land, and those he curses will die. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, who is they? The godly. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. I love verse 25. Once I was young, and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others and their children are a blessing. Amen. Let's pray together. I want to pray for two groups of people just in these final moments. Yeah, put your phone away, put your notes away, whatever. First, I just want to declare this over all of us. That any shame or condemnation that hell is even putting on people right now in the room or something that you've been carrying for a long time because of mistakes or single parents that you just literally, all you got is all you got and all you can do is all you can do. I just want to say right now, condemnation, shame, and guilt has got to go from this place in Jesus' name. None of that is the Lord. We've all made mistakes. Lisa grew up in a single parent home. She saw her mom working job and job, doing everything she could to provide. We learn as we grow. We lay the mistakes at the feet of Jesus and we learn from them. And so, Father, I want to pray over all of us today, myself, starting with me and Lise, and all of us in this room and those who are watching us online. God, right now in Jesus' name, we give back to you what is, give back to you what is rightfully yours. Everything we have, everything you've blessed us with, it's yours from our children to our home. Everything that we have, it's yours. Forgive us for pushing you away when you tell us to tackle these things that are holding us down. Forgive us for being a slave to the lender. Lord, today we come to you and we just, we give it all to you, Jesus. And then we dive a little deeper to all of our hearts because the Bible says 
Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. So maybe you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus. How can you do it God's way and take care of the king's stuff if he's not king of your heart? Or maybe you're here today and you've been running from God. You've been doing life your way. Many of us in the room were there and God arrested our hearts and we've never been the same. But today you're here. And money's not first, it's actually your life. Your money will follow your life. So right here in this moment, if you're here today and you're away from Jesus, you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, or maybe you're here today and you know that God has your number here today and you need to surrender your life to Jesus today, the Bible says, the day of salvation. Today, I'm gonna recommit my life to the Lord. If that's you in the room, I wanna ask you right where you're at, your chair, you're gonna make your altar. Would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me, pray for me. Today, I wanna come back to Jesus. Yeah, God sees your heart. God sees your heart. You're lifting your hand, but you're really extending your heart. Anybody else? Today, I'm coming back to Jesus. Today, I'm surrendering my life to the Lord. Today, today, somebody say today. Come on, raise it high. Let me see you real quick. Don't ever be ashamed of making a decision for Jesus. Today, all across the room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It doesn't start with our finances. God, it starts with our hearts. Come on, all of us in the room, not just those who lifted their hands, but all of us together, would you just pray this prayer with me? Say, dear Lord Jesus... I want to thank you for coming here. Coming to this earth. Leaving heaven. Living a life. Dying on the cross. And rising from the dead. For me. For my life. You loved me that much. And so today. I return to, your, to you. What is rightfully yours my heart. I surrender my heart and I give you my all. I repent of doing my life my way. Today, I make you Lord, God, and King of my heart. Help me be all that you call me to be. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen and amen. Come on, can we just thank King Jesus right now? Thank you, Lord. You're so good. Thank you, Lord. Listen, Lisa's going to close us out. Many of you raised your hand. Listen, I'll just tell you this. I know we're all busy people, but can I encourage you, before you bolt out of here and take off or go get your kids, our prayer team will be down here. The first thing you want to do when you make a decision for Jesus is tell somebody. And let them pray with you and rejoice with you on this decision. Amen. Thank you, church. God bless you guys.